All right. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Great to have you guys here at Three Circle Church. We've got our campuses joining us right now and those online. We are going to celebrate today that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the creator of all things, stepped into our world, was born and came to give his life for us. We celebrate that today at Three Circle. Amen. So let's just celebrate together. If you're a guest with us today, we're so honored that you're with us. And and my hope is that that this is going to be an encouragement to you. In fact, what I want to do is I want to start off with what's going to sound like bad news. Um, but if you'll hang with me, we're going to turn it into good news. Okay, deal? So I'm going to tell you something that you're not going to like, and, and then we'll work it out as we go. Okay, Here, here's how it's going to roll. Okay, you are not awesome. You're not awesome. I'm not either, just so you know, I'm in the boat with you. In fact, we'll take it so far. Don't say it if you don't know the person next to you, but if you know someone around you, look at them and go ahead and tell them. You're not awesome. Just do that right now. Hey, some of you act like you've been waiting for this moment. Just one time will do. Just say it one time, all right? One time's fine. Okay, now, now I want to show you why that's a good thing. You're not awesome. I'm not awesome. Let's leave that right there. And we're going to see why that is actually good news. Because we live in a time where we long for peace, but we can't get it. We don't have peace in our homes, we don't have peace in our society, we don't have peace in our politics, we don't have peace. And we think that that's some new thing, but we've been dealing with this forever. It's been around a long, long time. You go and see any beauty pageant and you'll see that every single contestant wants peace, world peace. But peace is elusive. It's a thing that we've said here at Three Circle that we cannot achieve. We can only receive true peace. And it only comes from Jesus. In fact, Isaiah 9, 6 is the famous prophecy about Jesus when he was born. This, ha- this, this prophecy took place hundreds of years before he was born. And it says this in Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and, and here's this line, Prince of Peace. So we've been focusing on him being our Prince of Peace throughout this, this entire season. Because we know that we all long for it, but we know it's elusive and we can't quite get it and we can't achieve it. We must receive it, which is why Jesus came to bring us peace. Now, if you came in any of our campuses, including this one today, you'll see that everything's a throwback. The trees, the decor, if you go online, and it's a specific throwback to the 1960s. We made everything look like the 1960s this year. Why did we do that? Because we wanted you to think about that decade. Whether you lived it or whether you've heard about it or studied about it, you know. The 1960s was an interesting decade. It was full of turmoil. There was the civil rights movement. There was desegregation and segregation. And there was a war going on in Vietnam and other places. It was a political tough time. It was a racially tough time. And in the middle of all that was born the peace movement. Where we said as a society, we think we can achieve peace. And we tried, but how many of you wake up today in 2023, how many of you think we achieved it? Did we achieve what they set out to achieve? Or do we wake up with the same list of problems that we had then? And it's true, we cannot achieve it. But what's interesting about the 1960s is in the middle of all of that that upheaval and all that turmoil, there was kind of a Christmas morning idea that happened. Let me tell you what I mean. Because the way we treat Christmas now in our modern culture Instead of looking at the real message and meaning behind it, the way we look at Christmas is like it's an escape from reality for a little while. And and the, the reason there's so much pressure put on Christmas is because we want that escape so bad. We're like, it's gotta be 
awesome because this is the only time of year we can have peace. We can have fun. We can enjoy each other, have some joy. So we put so much pressure on this season, whether for you it's a few weeks or a day or an afternoon, whatever it is. There's a ton of pressure on Christmas. And in the 60s, there was a ton of pressure as well. All this bad stuff was going on. So the president of the United States, John F. Kennedy, in the early 1960s gave a speech and promised everyone a Christmas morning. He gave what's known as the moon speech. And he said, I'll try to do my best JFK, we gotta go to the moon. All right, that's pretty good, right? Okay, that's my best. It's the best I've tried for months, I just can't grab it. But there it is. He said, we're gonna go to the moon this decade. We're gonna go to the moon. And everyone thought, that's impossible. But it was fun. And it was something positive. So the country rallied behind it. Sadly, the 1960s consumed him as well. He was assassinated not long after that speech. But indeed, like JFK said, by the end of that decade, we did this. We put a man on the moon. Now, some of you are like, allegedly, and I'm just going to help you here. I think that we really did, and the earth is round. We'll leave it right there. (laughs) Send your emails, I don't know, somewhere else. Okay, so, so there's a man on the moon. And collectively, as a society, it was like our Christmas morning in the 60s. We're like, look, look what we did. Isn't that awesome? In fact, it was so huge that the entire world and country stood at their TV sets as families, and, and they watched it seems like this. Because it was really the first time in a long time a mom or a dad could sit with their kids and watch TV and not cover their eyes. Because every other day it was, well, it was scenes of, of fire hoses being turned on black children in Birmingham, or it was a march here, or a a fight here, or another list of how many young men had been killed in the war on this day, or another riot here, another movement there. But this was a moment that everyone could escape. And they could look at the TV and look, look what we did. We're on the moon. Isn't that awesome? And you know what? You know what happened? In the same way, and that is an unbelievable human achievement, right? But you can't achieve peace, you can only receive it. And the next morning, when the, when the country collectively awoke, the morning after the moon landing, real life was still sitting there, wasn't it? The war still raged. There were still racial injustices to be figured out and fought about. If you had cancer when the, we landed on the moon, you had it the next morning too. If you had marital problems, the moon landing sure didn't fix them. So it was a... Temporary reprieve at best. And that is what our Christmas, our version of Christmas is the same thing. Because the truth is, no matter how hard you work, and even if you got a pretty good Christmas and you produce a pretty good Christmas this year, real life is looking at you. It's coming soon, right? The same issues, same stuff. It's not going to fix everything the way we do it. And so what we end up doing is putting a ton of pressure on a moment to fix stuff that it cannot fix, to achieve something that can only be received. Yet Jesus comes and offers us real peace. He says, I offer shalom, which was his word for peace. And his word for peace was not an escape. He's got much better news. Instead, he comes into our world and offers us real peace right now in this world, not just an escape for a day or a moment, not just a month of songs or eight months of decorations, because that's when we start now, you know. No, he offers real peace. In fact, I want to show you how our modern Christmas culture is almost identical to what I would consider almost ancient religious culture. Because the good news of the gospel is not either one of those. Here's what your Christmas culture teaches you. You ready? Here it is. 
Christmas culture says that it should look like that. See that picture? That's a lie. They sit upon a throne of lies. <laughs> Your Christmas morning, let's leave, we're going to leave that up for a moment. I want everybody to get a good look at that. You're not wearing those jammies. If you're wearing those pajamas, you keep that to yourself, all right? <laughs> now, notice, this is, what, this is the pressure we put on ourselves. This is what your culture says. Number one, I want you to notice some things about this picture. First of all, everyone's happy. <laughs> now, that's not, that's not true. That's not how it goes. By the way, you got two kids. One kid's opening the present. The other one's happy about his present. That's not true. Like That little toddler's not going to patiently wait like that. Also, check out the parents. Both are not, they're not tired. They're not tired. They look like they've been sleeping for two weeks. They're so fresh. I mean, their hair, everyone's hair is combed and fixed. Are you kidding me? We know that's not true, but that's the pressure cooker right there. And we think, I got to produce that. I got to have this moment. I got to have my moon landing for the 60s. We got to have an escape. And it's unachievable. It's elusive. We can't get there. And so what happens is you work yourself to death trying to pull that off. In fact, let me give you the actual, the actual language that we use for our Christmas culture. And I'm going to show you how when you take Christmas culture, compare it to religious cultures, it's almost the same. Christmas culture says, do all the things so you're exhausted, buy all the things, so you're broke, and then maybe you can be all the things. Be a good mom and dad, then buy all the things and do all the things. Amen. <laughs> Someone appreciates good humor around here. And let me show you how that's almost identical to religion. Religion forever has said, you ready, here it is, do all the things. You want to be right with God? Do stuff. Jump through the hoops, dance the dance. And, and you're going to have to earn your salvation, earn all the things. And then maybe you can be all the things. Maybe you can be a believer. Maybe you can be uh, right with God. Religion says the exact same thing. And both of those things are just pressure cookers. And I want to show you today the real message of Christ and the gospel is the opposite of those two things. And it will set you free, and it will set your Christmas free. And I'm telling you, the good news is, you thought it was bad news. The, the news that you're not awesome is really good news. Let's go to Galatians 4, 4 through 5. This is a Christmas passage. You might not think that you'd find a Christmas passage this far over into the New Testament. You think, well, aren't we going to go to Luke or Matthew? No, we're, today we're going to go to Galatians 4. Four through five, and this is absolutely a Christmas passage. Let's look what it says. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters, children of God. Okay? Well, let's take a look at these verses. First of all, let's look at the first half. In verse four, it tells you some important things about the birth of Jesus that we're going to focus on. First of all, it says, when the fullness of time had come. Folks, this was not an accident. This thing we celebrate every year was a plan. God was not winging it. Some of you are winging Christmas still. Like You're like, I got the afternoon. I can finish up this afternoon. <laughs> now, that is a pressure cooker. I tip my hat to the astounding nature of your procrastination if that is you. All right? You're taking a chance. You're taking a real chance. Because, well, after all, you're not... You're not awesome. That's why you procrastinated. God, on the other hand, is not a procrastinator. In fact, I want you to understand, 
the intentionality of God's plan. You can see it in Genesis. We didn't surprise God by being messy. You're all messy, right? Your family's messy. We're not awesome. And, and God did not create us. And when we got messy, he did not go, oh, I, I didn't see this coming. He's all-knowing. There was always a plan for your redemption. That's what this verse says. When the fullness of time had come, there was a spot on the calendar, the, the historical calendar that only God has. There was a spot where he's saying, I'm going to send my son. And it does say that he sent his son. Folks, listen, Jesus came on a mission. When I travel sometimes, I'll get asked when I go places, especially outside of the South, they recognize real fast. If I'm in Colorado or New York or somewhere like that, they're like, where are you from? I don't get it. Like, where do you think I'm from? Texas. Keep trying. Better football place. Alabama. Got it. Bing. Nailed it. Okay. 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 Could have went both ways. All right. So they will then say to me, well, what are you in our town for? Are you here for pleasure or business? Right? And most of the time, I will say to them, I'm actually here on business. I'm here speaking, teaching, coaching, doing something like that. What am I saying when I say to them, I'm not here on pleasure, I'm here on business? I'm saying I'm here to do what? Work. I'm working. Listen to me. Jesus came on a business trip to this earth. He had a mission. He had a work to do. And do you know what his work was? Do you know what his agenda was? His glory and you're good. Jesus came to do stuff for you. He was on a mission for us. You can see on a map it was planned. Everything he was doing, there was no accidents. He was not winging it. He was not procrastinating. Everything was on time, including his birth. Jesus came for us. And it says he was born of a woman and born under the law. Two important things. First of all, he was born of a woman. What does that mean? It means he was a real person. We believe at Three Circle that Jesus was fully God and fully man, not half and half. When I play golf with friends, by the way, I'm a terrible golfer. It's really bad. But every time I play, I will have one hit stroke shot that makes me and the people with me go, oh, that was really good. And that's why I'll go back. That one shot. I don't look at all the others. I go, well, there it is. There's the potential right there. But I was introduced to this drink that they do, where you mix sweet tea and lemonade. And do y'all know what that's called? Anybody? Just shout it out. I hear you guys in Robertsdale. I hear you online. Someone's at their house joining us online, having one right now. It's an Arnold Palmer. Everything in the South put in a glass. Sweet tea and lemonade. It should just say y'all on the front of it. Now, that's half and half. It's half sweet tea and it's half lemonade. That is not Jesus. Jesus is not half God and half man all blended up. He's fully God, truly God, fully man, truly man. And this verse is telling you he was sent from the Father, so he's fully God. And he is born of a woman. He's fully man. And then it tells you the next part, he's born under the law. Why did it say that? Well, here is the Bible cluing you in on the fact that you're not awesome and neither am I. Because the reason you had to be born under the law, look at the next line, verse 5. We were born under the law. They're going to put it up right now on the screen for us. We were born under the law, verse (laughs) 5, to redeem those who were under the law. Here it is. Why was he born under the law? To redeem those of us who were under the law. Meaning, 
You're not awesome and neither am I. We have broken his law. So Jesus had to be born. Jesus was not only born of a woman, just like you and me. He was born under the very same law you're born under, but he didn't break it. And we're all lawbreakers. That's why I tell you at the very core, we're not awesome. Not only is your turkey going to turn out a little drier than it should, and don't feel bad about that. Turkey is dry, which is why you should cook beef. If you wanted something that tasted good, well, you should have bought beef. But no, you wanted to be traditional, so you bought a turkey, and we all know that turkey is closer to jerky, right? But do your thing. Gravy helps bring it to life, all right? But it's not going to go perfect. You're not awesome. Your Christmas isn't going to be perfect. It's not going to be awesome. It might be good, but it's not going to be awesome. You're not going to look like that picture, and that's true of our lives, and, and, and when you turn Christmas into an escape like the moon landing in the 60s, you wake up to reality and it crushes you. But we are not awesome. We have broken his law. And the best way I know to illustrate this in a picture that we would all get, because we've all either sat in a desk and taken a test, or either you're a student now and you do it all the time. It's like this. We've all, when we were born, we sat at the desk of life. And we were given the test of life, God's law. And we started taking the test, and we started missing them. You could almost hear it, every, every answer. And you broke his law over and over again. You were getting answer after answer wrong. You were failing the test. But the Bible says when the fullness of time came, God stepped into this world, his son, sent on a mission to bring us peace that we couldn't achieve, we could only receive. And here's what Jesus did. Jesus came in and grabbed us all and said, get out of the desk. You stand over there. I'm going to take the test. Jesus was born under the law, given the same test, and he starts taking the test. He doesn't get a single answer wrong. You don't hear one, when Jesus is taking the test. He took the entire test, never missed a single question, fulfilled the law. And then, when he did that, he offers himself to us, and every person who believes upon Jesus, this is what he does. He looks at you, and me. And he says, give me your test. My test? You don't want mine. I failed, Jesus. Give me your test. You believe upon me? Yes, I do. Give me your test. And he takes your test score, puts it upon himself, and gives you his perfect score. He says, here's yours. I did this for you. I took the test for you. It's yours now. Wait a minute. You serious? I get your, is this legal? Because it wasn't where I grew up. I tried it. It didn't work so well, right? No, it's legal. It's legal. Here, here's your test score now. My test score is your. The Bible says that the sins of the world were laid upon him. Our test score was given to him. And the Bible in Colossians says he took all of our test scores, those of us who would believe in him, to the cross with him, and he nailed them all, our record of sin, to the cross. And so let me tell you my story, and I hope it can be yours. I celebrate every Christmas because I, I know that one day I'm going to die. That's my future. And it's yours too, hate to tell you, 100% death rate for humans the last time I checked. I don't know a single 728-year-old. So it's coming for all of us, right? And when I do die, I, I got news for y'all. I'm going to heaven. I am going to heaven. And let me tell you, when I get to heaven, I will not, when I get there, they will not swing heaven open for me and invite me into the holy place. I will not walk in and hear these words. Oh, that's Chris. Let him in. He's the guy that preached. 
He's the guy that did some good stuff. He, he, he led a cool, a cool church in Alabama. Oh, he really, he was a pretty good husband. Let him in. He loved his kids. Let him, he didn't kill anybody. Let him in. Well, that's a low bar. <laughs> Let me tell you what I will not hear. And you won't either if you go to heaven. We will not hear. Let him in. He's awesome. No. What we will hear is, let him in. Because he's got Jesus' test score. Let him in because he's been bought by the blood of the lamb. By the prince of peace. Swing open the gates as fast as you can because that one belongs to the king. And he's perfect and sinless because he's got Jesus' test score. You understand the beauty of the gospel and what he's done for us? And not only that, it says that we would receive, because of what he did, we get to receive adoption as sons. So God doesn't just look at us and go, hey, you're not a sinner now. He also then goes, hey, you belong to me. You're in the family. You guys, if you're a Christian, you're stuck with me forever. I'm your brother. Not getting rid of me. You're going to end up at that table. I'm going to be across the table looking at you. <laughs> me too. Someone told me once that one of the things you're going to hear in heaven a lot is this. You too? You're here too? The blood of the lamb. It's a beautiful story that began with a baby. For unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. And it is repeated here in Galatians. He was given to us, sent to us to redeem us under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. That is our story. And that's the good news I give you today. Listen, church, you're not awesome. Jesus already is. Let me, let me just remind you today of what religion says and what Christmas says. Once again, here we go. Christmas culture says this. You must do all the things, buy all the things, be all the things. That's why you're in a pressure cooker. You feel the pressure. You gotta make it right. It's gotta be perfect, but it won't be. And it's not gonna be. And it doesn't have to be. That's the message of the Christian and the gospel. But, but not only that, religion tells you the same thing. Maybe you've played the religion game. I did at one time. Religion says do all the things. Earn all the things. So you can be all the things. But I told you it'd be good news in the end. We can't do any of those things because we're not awesome. But the gospel says this. The gospel says Jesus did all. Jesus purchased all. And Jesus is all. That's our hope. That's our story for you this Christmas. I'm not even here to tell you that Three Circle Church is awesome. It's not. It's not. Something always goes wrong. I could have put out today a post on social media. Come to Three Circle Christmas Eve. It's going to be awesome. We'll miss some notes. Might be too hot for some, too cold for others. Someone's going to leave going, that was loud. Some of you rockers out there are going to leave going, I like to feel the bass a little more. It wasn't loud enough. You can't get it right. We're humans. We're not awesome. But we as Christians don't walk under that pressure. We've been released from that. We're not awesome. We just embrace it. 
Listen, and this means that you can enjoy your Christmas and enjoy one another. And if the present isn't perfect, and if your turkey's so dry, you got to chew it for 20 minutes just to get it down. You can do it with joy to the glory of God. Why? You are not awesome. And your spouse, they're not awesome either. And your kids, they're not awesome either. And the present's probably not awesome. You know what is awesome? Jesus is awesome. He's always been awesome. He always will be awesome. And therefore, the pressure's off of us. We are bought and redeemed. We are going to heaven and we rejoice that that baby was born and he was awesome. That's what we rejoice in this Christmas. So, the gospel for all time says Jesus did all, purchased all, and he is all. That's the final word. So take a breath and rejoice, as the angel said, for he has come. And if you're here today and you're a Christian, rejoice. The pressure's off. Rejoice in Christ. If you're here today and you're not a believer, may I say from the bottom of my heart, would you believe upon Jesus Christ as the King and Lord of your life? The Bible tells us that if you will repent and turn from your sin and turn to Jesus and call on his name, you will be saved. In another place, the Bible says, believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. What, what is it saying? Believe what God said about his Son and trust in him and ask him to save you. And he will. You want to know why? He's awesome. And he will save you. And that's my hope for you this Christmas. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word and your truth. You're, you alone can bring us peace. We can't achieve it. I pray today that those of us who've been given that peace will embrace it, rejoice in it. If we don't have it, that we would find it in you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.